Welcome. Pull up a seat, grab a cup, and get ready to share, listen, and learn. This is my favorite coffee story with your host, Aniko Samoji. You'll hear about the stories about coffee itself, the history, health benefits, recipes, and more, along with some personal stories inspired by coffee and the lifestyle. Now, here is Aniko Somoji. Welcome to my favorite coffee story to all our wonderful listeners around the world. We're so delighted you've joined us, and we wish you such a wonderful new year. Happy New Year with lots of aloha to you. So we have a wonderful show today called Coffee on the Road and a very special guest, Brooke Pachesta. And before I introduce Brooke, we're going to talk about our Anikona Farm moment briefly. First of all, we've been celebrating the holidays. We had a wonderful Happy New Year. We celebrated with dear friends from Los Angeles. We had nice breakfasts on the farm, which is always fun at Anikona Farm. And of course, it's just so nice to be able to share going forward 2018 together. So Happy New Year to everyone. And it's been so inspiring to share favorite coffee stories as well as life stories together. So thank you so much for joining us. And today we're talking about coffee on the road. We have Brooke Bajesta with us. And Brooke is a graduate from Georgetown University in Literature as well as a minor in sociology. And Brooke writes this amazing travel blog called Along for the Ride. She works remotely. She takes incredible photographs. And she's here today to share some of her amazing and inspiring stories. We'd like to welcome you, Brooke, to My Favorite Coffee Story. Well, thank you, Aniko, for having me and for the kind words. (laughs) Oh, well, we're so delighted. And What you've been doing, I think you're actually living a dream that a lot of us have, (laughs) traveling across country, meeting new friends, being outside, and you have a wonderful camper van that you call Harry Van (laughs) Ford, (laughs) which I love. (laughs) And of course, you have a companion, your dog Chalupa, as you Uh go across... (laughs) (laughs) the miles across the U.S. So that is just an amazing adventure that you're doing. And we'd love to share with our listeners a little bit about your early days, maybe your times at Georgetown University. You had a full-ride D1 volleyball scholarship at Georgetown, which is so incredible. And a little bit about your personal journey and what it was like to attend Georgetown and maybe some of your favorite stories along the way as a student. What are some of your fun memories there at Georgetown? Sure. Um, Well, yeah, so I attended Georgetown um, on a volleyball scholarship, uh, and I knew, so born and raised in the Seattle area, um, I had been playing volleyball since I was about 12 years old, and when I believe it was Stanford won the national championship in 2004, I, got, I must have been in like 7th or 8th grade, but at that moment, I knew for sure that that is what I wanted to do. I wanted to play volleyball in college. I wanted um, to be on a court like that. And so, you know, as 12-year-olds do, I, was, I became totally obsessed from achieving this goal. Uh, and I feel very lucky um, that that goal was achieved and I was able to play at a really high level at Georgetown um, with the varsity women's volleyball team. And that entire experience was, it was truly incredible. Uh, it was a lot of work. 
I uh, I don't know if anybody else there has been a collegiate D1 athlete before, but the time commitment uh, is crazy. It's a full-time job in addition to being a full-time student combined with, you know, whatever else you're interested in, hobbies, clubs, other side jobs. Um, and I'm really thankful for that experience. It definitely taught me how to manage my time, uh, how to kind of persevere through um, tough times during school or, or on the court. Um, and I left with some lifelong friends, and I'm really thankful for that. So in a nutshell. Incredible, <laughs> incredible experience. How, how did you balance your time being an athlete um, on a volleyball varsity team as well as being a good student and, and your studies? How did you do that? <laughs> Um, you know, it's funny that we talk a lot about this, uh, when I was playing there, but for, I think we all know the reason, whenever we were in season or in preseason, all of our grades, uh, were much better because we had no time to be distracted. You know, you would get up at five in the morning, go to practice seven to 10, go to class all day then go to the gym and weight lift, uh, and do it all again. And then you'd be gone every weekend, Thursday through Sunday, um, playing in, you know, tournaments or competitions or what have you. And so we were really busy and I appreciate that my parents um, worked hard to provide an environment um, similar to that when I was growing up in high school. We were always busy kids, whether it was with 4-H. Uh, my sister and I rode horses and were involved in 4-H for about 10 years. We played all kinds of sports. We were always involved in something. Uh, so I appreciate mom and dad <laughs> for helping laying the groundwork for time management early on. Um, and then when I got to college, uh, it wasn't easy, but at least I had the uh, the building blocks to start with, um, and I think I carry that along with me now. I find that I'm much more motivated, um, and it's actually easier for me to manage my time when I try and fill my day with as much as possible, and uh, it's kind of carried all along <laughs> um, as I've been on the road, but um, yeah, I think being busy and, and finding hobbies and passions um, to keep your, your mind invigorated and, and keep yourself inspired um, is really helpful for just accomplishing goals and, and managing your time. Absolutely. Might you have any favorite coffee stories as a student there at Georgetown that you would kindly share with our oh, listeners? Oh, man. Well, being from Seattle, coffee has always been a big part of my life. <laughs> uh, Aniko, you know this, um, but I'm one for viewers who can't see me right now or listeners who can't see me. And I, uh, I've been that tall since I was 12. <laughs> and I remember... <laughs> In, like, fifth grade, somebody told me, oh, yeah, don't drink coffee because it'll stunt your growth. And now I love being tall. But, you know, when you're 11 or 12, being tall is not always great. It's real hard to find pants, especially in a uniform. (laughs) And so I started drinking coffee saying, God, I hope it stunts my growth. It did not. (laughs) But I was, my eyes were open to the wonderful world of coffee early on. Uh, And in college, uh, there was a lot of late-night studying, lots of coffee. uh, And we also had... Uh, a student-run organization called the Corp, um, and they had coffee shops all over campus, and everything was run by students, whether, uh, you know, it was the baristas or the staff inside uh, the cafe or even the finances, the CEO, everything was run by students, and I just thought that was so cool. Uh, And there was one um, location that was uh, in our student center next to the bookstore, and I remember always sitting there, studying for class, enjoying coffee. It was a social atmosphere. Um, I think that's what's so great about coffee, Aniko, is that like any, any food experience, uh, you can enjoy it alone or uh, you can make it a ritual with friends, uh, whether it's studying, 
for class. Um, we're just catching up. Roll time. They're just making it together, brewing it, waiting for it to be ready. Uh, that's what I enjoy most about it. <laughs> Thank you for sharing those fun stories, Brooke. You mentioned your family, and you truly do have a wonderful family. During your growing <laughs> up days, um, you must have had so many amazing memories and favorite times with your family. Please share with us and our listeners a little bit about maybe a favorite growing up time. Sure. Well, I, again, feel so lucky uh, that I have the family that I do. Uh, when growing up, so I have one younger sister. Her name is Malia. And she lives out in Washington, D.C. Uh, we have a lot of cousins as well. My, uh, my mom is Hawaiian. My dad was born and raised here. So we've got a big extended family. And there was a couple cousins, uh, sets of cousins, who moved out to the mainland from Hawaii when we were growing up. And for a period of time, we all lived together, which was, Incredible. Uh, if you can imagine, growing up as a seven or eight year old, we had. We, I think my, well, my parents do still have this property, uh, three acres of land. Uh, we had the animals, and my dad was really into organic farming. He still is and grows lots of vegetables. So yes, there was like eight or nine kids in the house at all times. We were never bored. The summer was so much fun. My mom, my parents were very clever. They came up uh, with a large piece of property and was older, and so there's things in the yard that needed cleaning up of old farm equipment that had been left there, rusty pieces of material that had been left around. So an entire summer we spent on a, quote, scavenger hunt from my mom to pick up all the trash <laughs> and, like, rusty materials that were hiding in the yard uh, and bring them into the garage. Uh, and she, of course, made fun treasure maps and gave, spun this whole story about the treasure that was hidden by the previous owner. Uh, and it was a really incredible time. And my uncle and my dad built us a treehouse. Uh, it was a really idyllic childhood. And I feel so lucky to have been able to share that with my family, my aunties, my uncles, um, and all my cousins. It was really fun. Well, that's so beautiful. And it it's also <laughs> wonderful that you are visiting, speaking of family, your special grandmother here in Hawaii currently. So you're no, so nice to call in and chat with us today. And how's your visit going with Nana? It has been wonderful. Um, so I'm with my Nana. Her name is Jan Bachesta, and that's my, my dad's mom. Um, I've been here for almost a month. Uh, she lives here on the Big Island on the other side of uh, Arikota Farms. And uh, as I mentioned, my mom... Um, she's Hawaiian and her family all lives on Oahu, Maui, Kauai. So I'm going to Oahu later this week, uh, spending about a week there with some family. Uh, and then another week in Maui, uh, with my auntie and uncle and, and uh, my younger cousin. And it's just been so nice to one, hide from the rain in Seattle during the winter <laughs> and, uh, enjoy the sunshine here and just to spend some quality time, uh, with family, connecting back with my Hawaiian roots. Um, learning a bit more about family history. Nana's been doing a great job of showing me old pictures. We just did a, I don't know if you're familiar with that 23andMe genetic yes. testing um, project, but we just did that. So I'm really, you know, we got to wait like two months to get the results back. Uh, but it's been fun to just learn about her story and how, you know, she ended up in Hawaii from the Philippines. And uh, it's been a wonderful experience. She's a wonderful lady, and I'm so glad that you have time to spend together. 
It when I did a little bit of yes, when I did a little bit of reading about so how you embarked on this traveling across the country, I found that it sounded like you took a moment and you thought about what makes you happy. And it seemed like you narrowed it down to some really important things like family and friends and career and in your love of Seattle as well and and being outside and it sounds like all those things then kind of inspired you to maybe take a journey across the country in a camper van tell us please a little bit more about that whole process and how you decided to cro- go across the country in your van on June of 2017, uh, I made the decision to quit my job. I was working for a wonderful company called Socrata, based out of Seattle, um, in the IT government consulting world. Had a, wonder- had a great job, loved all my coworkers. Uh, we had an awesome mission. But I decided to quit, uh, get rid of everything that I owned, move into a van, and drive across the country. And it's now been eight months <laughs> that I've been doing that. Is that right? Yeah. I guess eight, eight will be here in January. Um, and I know that sounds like, oh my God, you got rid of everything and you moved into your car. And I'm sure my parents were thinking, why did our kid just decide to leave a perfectly good job with insurance and live out of her car like a bum <laughs> for months and months and months? Um, there's a lot of planning that went into that. It was about a year of, uh, planning before I actually made the jump of, you know, leaving my, my job and moving into the van. Uh, a friend had actually showed me the hashtag van life movement has really exploded on social media. If any of you um, have seen it on Instagram or Twitter or Pinterest or any of that. Um, And we always camped as a kid uh, or as kids, you know, we had a a camper growing up. We also, our minivan when we were little kids was a a VW uh, van again, which was pretty sweet. (laughs) So we've been, we've had vans. uh, We'd love to be outdoors. Uh, and I'd kind of gotten away from it when I went to college. Uh, volleyball just took over. You know, that was my life. Uh, yes. And then when I was done with volleyball, I moved to San Francisco, uh, um, was working at a tech company there, and kind of had gotten away from spending time outdoors. Uh, when I moved back to Seattle, I started camping again and um, just enjoying family time in areas with no cell service or, uh, you know, surrounded by the mountains. And I just remember having a moment camping with, uh, with my dad and my sister, um, and then my godfather, actually, um, and god sister, cousins, however you want to <laughs> call that. Um, yes. And we were just sitting there, and it was the first time that I had been camping in years. And we were looking at Mount Adams um, at Taklock Lake in Washington. And I just remember thinking, wow, this is the most fun I've had in so long, and all we're doing is sitting here in the woods. <laughs> so from that moment yes. on, I was <laughs> about it was almost as soon as I moved home from San Francisco to Seattle. About a year went by, and I started, um, over the course of that year, I paid off all my credit cards, uh, started to downsize my apartment, got rid of all my stuff, um, found a van, decided to convert it, um, and have been traveling ever since. I just figured... A lot of people ask me, you know, why the hell would you move into your van? And to that, I say, why not? <laughs> At what other point in your life? <laughs> like, I'm just, it's just me and the dog. You know, I'm married. I don't have kids. Um, didn't have any debt hanging over my head. I always wanted to travel. So I said, well, I'm going to do it now. Why not? <laughs> Just love your adventurous spirit, Brooke, and I love how you decided to 
take the steps to make it happen. And we're going to hear right after the break from Brooke how she ended up renovating her van and planning out her trip and also finding her companion, her dog Chalupa, (laughs) right after the break. Please join us. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. My favorite coffee story is brought to you by Anikona Farm, where every bean we grow represents a great story somewhere in the world. When you buy coffee from Anikona Farm, you're investing in new memories, stories, and experiences. We harvest our beans with your future story in our heart. So, from our heart to yours, enjoy the Anikona experience. May your coffee story be as rich and delicious as our Kona coffee with love. Please visit Anikona.com and get your Anikona Story coffee special today. What if there was a radio show that could demonstrate how we can cut your taxes in half without diminishing needed government services? One that could explain how to create tens of millions of jobs at no cost to taxpayers, as well as fantastic yet easily affordable health care. Side effects include cutting crime rates nationwide, providing better education for our children, international peace and harmony, and protecting your private personal data from government intrusion. Tune in to Libertarians Working for you with Arvind Vora, Tuesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Variety. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. You are listening to My Favorite Coffee Story with Aniko Samoji. Drop us a line and share your story. Our email address is orders at anikona.com. Again, that's orders at anikona.com. Now, back to this week's show. Welcome back to My Favorite Coffee Story. We're having such a nice time with Brooke Pachesta talking about how she ventures across the country in her van and works remotely with her dog Chalupa. We just talked about some of Brooke's early days, times with her family, her wonderful family, uh, times at Georgetown, being um, a volleyball athlete on the D1 team there at Georgetown, and how she's come to decide she's going to actually travel across the country and spend a lot of time outside with her dog Chalupa. And Brooke, we were just going to talk about how you ended up renovating your van because I know that it was a project and you did it yourself. Please tell us a little bit more. <laughs> uh, like any hobby or project, uh, it took a lot longer than I thought it would. <laughs> yes. I, uh, and anyone who's ever done anything from Pinterest, there's a lot of Pinterest fails <laughs> going into it. Um, but in October, no, maybe November of 2016, um, I had a VW Jetta, actually. That was my first car that I ever owned while well, I was leasing it. 
um, and I had a, but got it right out of college. Um, and if any of you were following the whole diesel gate situation, um, the car was not up to EPA standards. And so um, I was able to end my lease, actually, and return the car. And then um, at that point, I was living in the city. I didn't really drive at all, um, except I coach volleyball uh, when I'm at home in Seattle. And that was really the only reason that I needed it. I figured, well, I could carpool with someone to that. And I walk to work or I take the bus or use a lift. Like, I don't ever drive. Um, and I really want to do this van thing. So, you know, I'll get rid of the Jetta and just go buy a van. <laughs> so I bought a 2011 Ford Transit Connect. And I think all my friends and family were like, oh, God, she's really lost it. <laughs> like, I don't know what she's going to do with this thing. Um, and if you don't know what that looks like, it is. Almost, it's like the length of a minivan. It's a tiny version of the trans, the regular Transit Connect. It's not quite as tall. You can't stand up in it. And I did that intentionally, even though I'm very tall. I knew that I was still going to be living in Seattle, so it had to be able to park in Capitol Hill where I live. Yes. Which is why I got a smaller van. So bought the van, um, had it on Craigslist, and then my dad, Jim, who is wonderful. <laughs> took on this project with me. Um, I think initially he was probably expecting that, like, all right, yeah, she can use the garage, use all my tools, and I'll, like, check in every now and then to make sure she's not going to slice the finger off. It very quickly <laughs> evolved into a joint father-daughter project, which was awesome. <laughs> he helped quite a bit. Yes. Um, and so when I bought it, there was no seats. It was a cargo van, so that was easy. Um, didn't have to find anywhere to dump uh, seats or anything like that, but started with me gutting the entire inside, so pulling up the floorboards. Before I owned it, it was a mushroom delivery van in Seattle, so a mold everywhere. (laughs) Gut everything, scrape it all off, scrub it with bleach, and then I insulated it um, with some reflectix, the pink insulation, the foam boards, and then I covered everything with carpet. Uh, and then my dad and I started building, uh, there have now been, I want to say three or four iterations of what this van looked like before. The initial one, we called it the two by four van. Because it was, I'm not very patient. It was kind of slapped together. <laughs> I bought it in November and I wanted to take it out in a winter camping trip because I'm crazy <laughs> in January <laughs> in oh. Washington. Uh, and so we kind of finished it over the course of a couple weekends. Uh, and it was not pretty. It was functional, but not pretty. Um, so that was step number one. And then over the course of the year, whenever I was home and not traveling, we kind of fixed things up. Um, and now I'm very proud that we're finally done with the van a whole year later. Uh, I took the time. I lived at home for a month uh, this last November uh, working for uh, a new company, Northwest Benefit Advisors here in Seattle. And while I was home, spent a lot of time on the van. And now it is fully renovated with, um, it's got a full-size bed, a cooler, uh, a battery that powers my laptop, camera, everything that I can charge it when I'm driving or with a solar panel when I'm parked somewhere off-grid. Uh, it doesn't have a shower or a bathroom, but I have a slide-out kitchen. Uh, that we built. It's on a big drawer um, storage for all my clothes and shoes and then a big cargo box um, with all of my adventure gear. So rock climbing gear, camping stuff, volleyball, uh, and then an awning for when it rains. (laughs) 
the van is really incredible. What a fun project that was with your dad. And I, I love that you call it <laughs> Harry Van Ford. So your dog Chalupa travels with you. Where does yeah. Chalupa like like to stay in the van as you're driving along? So Chalupa, to paint you guys a picture, is uh, she's probably 12 pounds now. Uh, she's a mutt. I think she's a Chihuahua Jack Russell something or other. Uh, when I went to, I got her when I was living in San Francisco. I was living alone and very, uh, living alone in the city's hard when you first move out of college. So somewhat impulsively decided I was going to get a dog. I think my parents thought I was kidding. And then I sent them a picture and I was like, nope, really went and got one. <laughs> they told me at the shelter that she was a beagle, which she is not. Um, but at first I named her Stella over the course of, I don't know, the, that was three years ago. She, her nickname has since evolved into Chalupa. There's named after a character in a show called The League. And then there's this type of food. I don't know how this happened. But anyways, Chalupa seems very fitting <laughs> for this dog, if you ever meet her. <laughs> very small, but very quick. And she loves to go out running with me or hiking. I swear to God, this thing is never tired. Um, and she loves the van. It's actually funny. Whenever I park it somewhere, she usually refuses to get out. If I happen to leave the door open um, and she's outside, she'll usually find her way into the van. When I'm driving... She likes to sit uh, on the bed and look out the rearview window. It's kind of funny. Uh, or sit on my lap. And uh, she is like the perfect van life dog. She's compact. <laughs> she fits in the van. Yes. Uh, and she likes to go on all my adventures. And she fits in a backpack. I went canyoneering with some friends in Utah, which is essentially hiking, but more fun. <laughs> you get to rappel off of the canyons and arches um, and see parts of trails that you wouldn't be able to get to on foot. And obviously a dog cannot do that, so I threw in my backpack uh, with a harness, and then we repelled off of arches and canyons, and it was super fun. <laughs> and she's she's a she's a great companion. I've seen her in the backpack when you're riding a bike, and she seems to like that oh, yeah. as well. <laughs> That is so cute. And I love how one of her ears is sort of down and one is kind of, um, oh, she yes. just has so much personality. She is, she's so cute. <laughs> well, what a great companion. And as you've been describing your adventures as you're repelling and hiking and rock climbing, it just sounds like such an incredible adventure you're having. Tell us, please, Brooke, a little bit about some of your journeys on the road or what might be a favorite story that you recall. Sure. Well, um, traveling alone, first of all, has been incredible. Uh, traveling alone as a lady, I think, uh, a lot of times I get reactions that are like, oh, aren't you scared? Like, you're out there by yourself and a woman by your, you know, on your own in the woods. Um, and I was, and I am scared often when I'm out there. Uh, but I got to say this trip has totally renewed my faith in humanity. I am, people ask me if I carry a gun. I do not. Uh, I'm way more scared of the animals out there than of people. People have just been so kind, uh, and wonderful. There have been many strangers who've become friends where we've shared a cup of coffee by a campfire, um, I can think of one gentleman when I was in Alberta, Canada, very far from home. <laughs> I just yes. gone to Banff, uh, and the Canadian wilderness is beautiful and massive and huge, but it does have a way of kind of making you feel small. Um, and I just remember sitting in the van being like, God, this is gorgeous, but I am really out here alone. Uh, and it was kind of freaking me out. And then like out of nowhere, it's like the universe heard me talking to myself 
and this nice older man named Kelsey, like, came up on his bike and, um, you know, just came to say hi. Said he was camping there alone as well. Him and his wife used to come out there. We made coffee because um, we weren't doing anything else. It was great, and I've just met so many wonderful people um, on this trip. Thank you for sharing that. I'm trying to picture you out there in the beautiful wilderness, and it just is so heartwarming to think about these amazing experiences you're having. I'm curious, how do you handle the water situation? Because I know you're on the <laughs> road, and um, and I even saw on your blog how you share a little bit of insight and in how to balance water in terms of showers or, or not. Or, um, so how did you learn mm-hmm. all about that? So um, if you're going to be a dirt bag, you have to be okay being dirty. I guess it's step number <laughs> one. Uh, <laughs> so I carry water in a six and a half gallon container. Um, and then I've got like a one gallon jug that you would get at like a gas station or a Safeway or something. And then a couple of Nalgene-style water bottles and a backpack. Um, and I can go for really, really off-grid, probably three or four, uh, maybe a week. But I don't like to get down to, like, empty water levels. So about three or four days. Uh, and for showers, I either shower uh, in a lake or a river, which is great during the summer. Winter, it's a little harder, which is why I ran away from the cold and I came to Hawaii <laughs> to stay at Grandma's. Um, Finding water, typically uh, pretty easy, actually. You just uh, I thought I was going to have a lot more trouble uh, but either going to RV parks and just saying, like, hey, I'm traveling by myself. Can I fill up water from this hose, or can you point me somewhere that I can? Uh, and usually that's free. Um, or going to pay for campsites. Um, there's been a lot of times where I usually camp for free on um, BLM or Bureau of Land Management land, um, meaning that there's, you know, there's no services. You pack it in, pack it out. Uh, you're in, kind of like on your own, but it's free. And oftentimes there are campsites nearby with a bathroom or um, a water spigot. Uh, usually you just kind of be friendly to the campground host and say like, hey, I'm just filling up water. I'm not camping here. People are, are fine with that too. So, or gas stations. Uh, again, like I was saying, people can be really friendly <laughs> If you just take the time to strike up a conversation, uh, and especially with things like water, <laughs> people are yes. usually pretty open to that. <laughs> yes. Well, I'm curious, as you've been driving across the country, Brooke, and you have met so many interesting people and you've shared on your blog. Oh, your blog is just amazing, Along for the Ride. Oh, and the, the, photo, the photographs that you take, I, I feel like we're there with you and you're capturing the moment so beautifully. As you've traveled along, do you have some favorite spots that you'd like to share with us? Oh, well, thank you um, for your kind words about the blog and photography. I think uh, it's really hard to pin down a favorite spot. Um, I will say, though, it has reaffirmed uh, what I already knew, which is that I love the mountains, and I feel very much at home uh, when I can see them or I get to be in the mountains. So Wyoming, uh, the Grand Tetons, the first time I went there last summer, and I think uh, end of June, July, um, and that was totally mind-blowing. I had come out of Glacier National Park in Montana and it was beautiful. It was the early part of the season. It wasn't too crowded. I was able to get a campsite in the park, drove through, uh, made some friends in Big Sky, 
friend of a friend. I ended up staying with them. Big Sky Montana is a ski town, um, and they have a beautiful, I think it's an 11,000-foot peak. Um, coming through Yellowstone and the Tetons, the mountains are gorgeous. <laughs> so if you're into that, I highly suggest Montana, Wyoming. Um, Banff is very similar um, to that just because Canadian wilderness is huge, and there's so much wildlife, uh, grizzlies and elk, um, bison in Wyoming. Uh, of course, the desert part of Southwest America is really wonderful, too. I spent some time in Moab. Um, but one place that surprised me, actually, was Kentucky. <laughs> I ended up, I lived for a month at a pizza place called Miguel's Pizza Shop <laughs> in the Red River Gorge of Kentucky. Uh, spent a month sport climbing. Uh, I never thought, one, that I would be living in Kentucky for a month, or two, like, I had kind of started climbing on this trip, um, but I really caught the bug, I guess, uh, when I was there surrounded with a bunch of folks like myself who had either been living on the road and hardcore dirt bags who just, um, they follow, you know, they chase better weather, it's a rock climb all year round, kids who just graduated school, people who live in the area, um, people who drive down from places like Indiana every weekend just to come climb there. Um, so that was incredible, and that was one of those, like, a, one, a great little microcosm of human existence in the middle of the woods in Kentucky with all these people with a shared interest in climbing. Um, and I met some people who I, I don't know when or where else I would have ever met them in life. So that was really fun. <laughs> That's so fun, Brooke. Were there any great coffee houses there in, in Kentucky that you liked? There, um... I will say Kentucky is probably is known for bourbon more than coffee. Bourbon, <laughs> but they did have <laughs> a great little coffee house um, across from where I was camping called Daniel Boone. And I know Wi-Fi is hard to come by when you're out in Appalachia. <laughs> so, um, yes. A lot of folks went there to get work done, uh, and uh, you know, share stories over a cup of coffee. And for a lot of us who've been kind of penny pinching on a budget, um, coffee is one of those things that. It can be very affordable if you can get, you know, whatever you need at the Kroger and sit around a campfire in the morning or even after climbing um, and share great stories over coffee. And again, this is one of those, uh, like food or, or any kind of um, shared experience, that it's just nice to, to bond with other folks and, and get to know people um, around something like that. Absolutely. And you mentioned the Wi-Fi. We were so curious with our listeners that as you're traveling remotely, and I know you're you're still working, how, we'd love to learn a little bit about that and how that works. Are you still consulting with Northwest Benefit Advisors? I am. Uh, they are a local um, voluntary insurance benefits firm based out of Bellevue, Washington. Um, and I'll actually be working for them full-time starting in February. Um, but while on the road, so I'd quit my full-time job in June, um, and I kind of just picked up odd jobs along the way. So found things on websites like remoteok.io, um, weworkremotely.com, Upwork. Um, there's a lot of folks who need things like data entry um, or research done. Just, you can put your resume on there, and it's you know on a contract basis. So it might just be for a week or um, a couple weeks or a month or whatever they need. Um, and then I would just have to plan. Um, my travels around places where I knew there would be Wi-Fi. And places that I know will have Wi-Fi are, um, like, if you're really out in the sticks and uh, there might be a strip mall with a Starbucks or a McDonald's or a Burger King, they have free Wi-Fi, <laughs> which is great. Um, 
or some of the bigger national parks. Um, I do have a, a data plan on my phone, so I could just hotspot off my phone whenever I needed that. <clears throat> or uh, just asking around, like I probably would never have known about, you know, the Stanley Boone coffee place in Slade, Kentucky, unless I had asked somebody <laughs> where to get Wi-Fi. Uh, so it does take some planning, but it is totally doable, and I've met lots of folks on the road um, who freelance full-time um, and fund their travels that way, and they just um, either have paid to have uh, satellite internet in their van or, or camper, uh, which can get pretty pricey, or they just hop out off their phone or just plan to, to be in town certain days of the week. But it is totally doable. If there are listeners out there who have thought about taking their job on the road, um, you can either go freelance or um, a lot of employers, I'm sure, would be open uh, to retaining employees. Uh, you know, So if you, you never know if you don't ask if you can work remotely. <laughs> And it's very doable. Well, you definitely are are finding a way to make it work. And I'm sure that Northwest Benefit Advisors really appreciates all your good work. And you're having fun on the road as well. What a great way to make that all work. That's been so fun hearing how you do that. So when we come back from the break, we're going to talk a little bit more about some of Brooks' current projects and what are what's down the road what are what are brooks dreams down the road we've loved hearing about that you're going to be working full-time and and we look forward to hearing more about what you're going to be doing right after the break so please come back all right Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com My favorite coffee story is brought to you by Anikona Farm, where every bean we grow represents a great story somewhere in the world. When you buy coffee from Anikona Farm, you're investing in new memories, stories, and experiences. We harvest our beans with your future story in our heart. So, from our heart to yours, enjoy the Anikona experience. May your coffee story be as rich and delicious as our Kona coffee with love. Please visit Anikona.com and get your Anikona Story coffee special today. Voice America Network proudly presents The Catherine Zox Show for women, men, children, and families. Catherine magically combines her compassion, experience, and talent to bring listeners a show that's upbeat, informative, and yes, a little sassy. Tune in every Wednesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern to The Catherine Zox Show on the Voice America channel. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. You are listening to My Favorite Coffee Story with Aniko Samoji. Drop us a line and share your story. Our email address is orders at anikona.com. Again, that's orders at anikona.com. Now, back to this week's show. Welcome back to My Favorite Coffee Story. We're so glad you've joined us. We've been talking with Brooke Bachesta about all her adventures traveling in her van with her dog, Chalupa, across the country 
and also how she balances working remotely as well as a lot of her fun adventures between rock climbing and rappelling and spending time there and beautiful sights and the Tetons, etc. We were just going to ask you, Brooke, a little bit about some of your current projects like your blog and, and, um, and how that's going. We love looking at your blog. Well, thank you. Um, I think the blog will remain a project uh, for the foreseeable future. I enjoy, it's definitely a side thing, you know, whenever I meet someone who uh, reminds me of why I'm on the road or have, uh, you know, a remarkable experience. I just love to write it, jot it down quickly and share it with family and friends. Um, In the meantime, um, I'll be working full-time starting in February for a firm based out of Bellevue, Washington. Um, I was in sales before, and so I'll be... Um, kind of transitioning into that I was a, in sales for a private company that consulted for the government. So now I'll be working for a private firm um, as an insurance agent that works with a lot of public sector clients um, like the state or cities, counties. Uh, so that's what I'll be doing starting February. Um, while a lot of that will require me to be back in Seattle for a little bit, I'm hopeful that we'll be able to work um, in some way to take some of that um, remotely and uh, but I can continue traveling in the van. <laughs> There's lots of other places I want to go see. <laughs> well, I just, I love how you're able to balance that. And I'm excited. We're all excited for you for your new position um, that you'll be taking on. It's been neat how you'll plan certain events during your travels. Like, I know that your wonderful sister Malia was recently married in Washington, D.C. Yes. Had you you traveled your trip to make sure that you would arrive in time there for Malia's wedding? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, That was actually part of the impetus for, like, the the timing of when I took off. Um, So she and my brother-in-law were married um, on October 7th. And so I knew between June and October I had to plan a trip to somehow, because I wanted to say I had driven across the country and back. And so I went from Washington to the other Washington, D.C., um, made it there in time for October, and was able to drive back uh, over the course of a couple of weeks uh, back home uh, to Seattle. So that's what's fun about, you know, having the van. And the nice thing now with the way that work has evolved is, you know, great work can really be done from anywhere. So as long as I'm able to plan things around where I have Wi-Fi, um, I don't need to meet in person with someone. I can always video chat them or do things over email or Google chat or whatever. Um, that's allowed a lot of flexibility um, for me. And again, as long as um, I plan a little bit ahead of time uh, and kind of intersperse my, uh, my travel goals in there as well, it's been a really wonderful experience. Uh, I've been able to kind of tailor it to, uh, to balance work and, and play. <laughs> True. Was it fun to be back in Washington, D.C.? Oh, it was so fun. And their wedding was so beautiful. They did such a great job. It was right in downtown. There was a view of the Capitol building. A bunch of our friends from high school came and our college friends. Uh, and, of course, you know, Rob's entire family. He's from the East Coast. Uh, and all of his friends. It was just a beautiful, beautiful event. Um, we had a really good time. And they're so happy. And it was, it was just great. <laughs> Oh, it sounds beautiful. We're so happy for Rob and Malia. And you must have caught up maybe with some friends from Georgetown who still might be in the area. Yeah, that was fun to see. Uh, what there's, I think most of my teammates have since moved on uh, or moved to, to different towns or, or moved 
back home. Um, there's one gal who still lives out there who I was able to see. I saw my old coach, and I was able to take my uh, Nana, actually, who I'm visiting here in Hawaii. She had never seen um, the campus, and so that was fun to give her a little tour of the gym and, you know, all the fun things like this is where I lived when I was a freshman, and this is my junior apartment, and this is the library, and all that. It was really special to be able to share that with her. <laughs> That's so fun. And I remember, too, how you have shared some fun family moments with your mom on camping trips. Tell us a little bit yes. about some of your mother-daughter camping trips with mom. Yeah, I um, I have been very pleasantly surprised at how um, often my mom has actually come out camping with me. She uh, always makes sure that we go glamping, not camping. <laughs> so my mom, whenever we go out together, makes sure that she brings a tablecloth for the picnic table. Uh, we don't do any BLM camping. We always make sure that we're camping somewhere with, uh, you know, a bathroom and showers, and all, even if it's just for the weekend. Uh, so we've got tablecloth, candle. We always bring Anikona coffee <laughs> so we can take our Aww. time in the morning. Uh, and then we'll usually, you know, plan on making some kind of dinner with a campfire. Uh, and that's just, you know, one of the wonderful things about being outside and unplugged is that you can really just reconnect with people. And there's something so, I guess, infectious about sitting around, like watching a fire when you're out in the woods and it's kind of chilly. Um, you've got a drink in your hands, a beverage of your choice. Uh, and you're just with good friends and family. Uh, and you really just... Find ways to either entertain yourself um, or just enjoy each other's company. And so that's been really wonderful is sharing those experiences with her. And it was actually about this last summer uh, when Malia and Rob came out before they'd been married. Um, the three of us actually took a little pre-wedding camping trip up to Mount Rainier. Uh, and Rob had actually never seen the mountains. He's from Rhode Island. Um, and whenever he came to visit us in Seattle, he always came for Christmas um, and the weather in Seattle in the winter is just, like, gray, and you can't see anything unless you get very lucky. <laughs> so we've never <laughs> seen Mount Rainier. Uh, and so we all went up there and camped in the, in the park. Um, we hiked up to a little town called Paradise. Um, and it was so picturesque the way. So we hiked up the mountain. It was a couple miles uh, as far as we could go before the snow uh, stopped us. But it was really overcast that day, and we said, you know what, we're already here. We're just going to enjoy it. And even if we can't see anything, at least we'll be out outside. Um, and it was almost like on cue after we must have been out there for maybe three hours hiking up. We got up to the top, couldn't see anything, got kind of lost. And then as soon as we reached the top of not even the summit, but just like this flat-ish area, the clouds just parted. Um, and you could see ama like amazing views of the summit of Rainier, the rest of the mountains, um, we saw a mountain goat, and watching Rob see all of that for the first time was so, so special. Um, so, yeah, spending time outdoors with family is really, really important to me, and uh, I feel very lucky that I get to do that so often now that I live out of my van. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. So now that you're venturing back to Seattle for um, your position, you can have some great outdoor mm -hmm. times. What are you looking forward to most being back in Seattle? Well, um, on this trip, um, I, after, you know, volleyball was my entire life <laughs> growing up. 
in addition to, you know, the horses. But that, that was everything. I spent every weekend playing in tournaments, every day after school training or practicing. Uh, and then in college, that was all I ever did. So this trip has actually been really fun for me to learn how to find hobbies again. Um, I learned how to rock climb on this trip. Uh, I learned how to canyoneer. I started hiking more. Uh, when I get back to Seattle, I plan to find lots of other new hobbies, uh, like skiing. <laughs> That's high on my list. I'll be back home uh, time for ski season. I definitely want to learn how to do that. Um, spend some time with some folks um, and friends, you know, back in the Seattle area. Uh, maybe take up kayaking. Who knows? There's lots to do in the Pacific Northwest. And uh, after driving around a lot, I won't say all of the country, a lot of the country, uh, Pacific Northwest is definitely home. We've got the mountains and the ocean, uh, and it's so green, and it's perfect. So I'm really excited to explore that with kind of a new new view um, of home. <laughs> it is a beautiful place for the outdoors, isn't it, Brooke? I'm curious mm-hmm. if you have a, a favorite coffee place that you like in Seattle. You know, that is actually, whenever I move to a new neighborhood, that is, like my favorite thing to do, or even when I'm traveling, is to find some obscure coffee shop, get a coffee and a pastry, and then walk around town. <laughs> um, and in Seattle, gosh, there's quite a few. So I do like the uh, Cherry Street Coffee. I know they're kind of a chain, but they're really good. They have great pastries. <laughs> uh, in the International District, my go-to spot is a place called Eastern Cafe, and they do coffee, and they serve food, like crepes, breakfast sandwiches, uh, they also serve beer and wine for happy hour, uh, and it's a great deal. <laughs> um, and it's a great place to work, too. So if I ever find myself needing to get work done, um, it's a perfect little co-working space. Uh, lots of coffee. So I'm excited, again, to be surrounded by a bunch of other uh, coffee fans <laughs> back in Seattle. Yeah, it's definitely a, a favorite thing to do for Seattleites. So you've shared a little bit about how you want to get into rock climbing and skiing and um, some of those outdoors activities as you're back in Seattle. What would you say if you had to describe a dream or a future dream that you're thinking about down the road? Oh, well, that's tough because there's so many. (laughs) I would say I... um, have been reminded of how much I love traveling and meeting other people. So I would love to continue um, traveling, maybe going overseas and um, finding a way to, to pair that with my career so that I can advance that while also traveling. Um, so I think long-term, probably just, uh, I want to say settle down because <laughs> I can see myself traveling forever. Um, but working really hard in this career um, and this line of work that I'm in to kind of build up a book of business uh, and, and working uh, with the owner there, take my job um, remotely so I can continue traveling uh, and, of course, just have Seattle as a home base. <laughs> yes. Do you have any dreams to possibly also go abroad? Yeah, absolutely. I would love to um, go to Asia. Uh, I think Thailand is high on my list, uh, places like Vietnam. Also, um, doing all this 23andMe ancestry stuff uh, with Nana while I've been at home, I think it would be really fun to take kind of a, uh, a personal history world tour and go visit all the places that um, my family has been from. So, most of my family, or a lot of my family is here from Hawaii. 
but my great grandmother um, is from China. <clears throat> uh, my great grandparents on my mom's side are German and Portuguese. My uh, grandma here in Hawaii, Nana, she's Philipp- uh, born and raised in the Philippines. Uh, so I would love to go to the Philippines. My grandpa is um, Czechoslovakian, so would love to go to Eastern Europe. Um, just kind of do a family history world tour. <laughs> that sounds like a fun dream, and I can't wait to, to see the pictures and the blog for that. That will be so fun, Brooke. Well, it's been nice of you to share your inspiring stories, and we've loved hearing how you have brought your love of the outdoors into your lifestyle, as well as you can balance you know, working remotely and you have a lot of fun along the way and you have some fun coffee stories along the way as well. And, and you can still have those great family moments. And so it's been so inspiring to hear your stories. So thank you for that, Brooke, and appreciate all your sharing and, and kind of taking us with you on your journeys today. Uh, we just have been really grateful to you. So thank you for joining us. And to our listeners, thank you for being with us today. We we were so happy that you were with us. We loved talking about what it's like to travel on the road in your van while you're working remotely and living your dreams, as well as with your your dog Chalupa and meeting friends. So that's been so <laughs> fun. Uh, talking about coffee on the road. So Thank you for joining us today. And of course, if you have additional questions, we always love hearing from our listeners. You can always send them to radio at myfavoritecoffeestory.com. And we, of course, are grateful to you for joining us. We love to share Anikona coffee. We have an Anikona gift on our website at anikona.com. So thank you again for this wonderful time. And we look forward to being together again next week on My Favorite Coffee Story. And in the meantime, We wish you a wonderful aloha and happy new year. Thank you for taking an hour out of your busy week to join us on My Favorite Coffee Story. Please tune in again for another edition with your host, Aniko Samoji, next Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until then, we hope you'll have a relaxing week 